0: spring on ESPN Radio's Jason Fitz. Jason, welcome in, sir. How are you? Have you been called names today? Uh, Not
1: today, but boy, I mean, there's nothing more passionate than college football fans. And, uh, you know, I've I've had my run with a few of them. And the funny thing is, I I say this loudly because a lot of people don't realize it. Like, I didn't grow up with the favorite college football team. I grew up in Vegas, and, you know, the (laughs) West Coast is real. Like, they don't care about college football. When I moved to the South, The first time I walked into a bar to see a, you know, it was the Peyton Manning era of of Tennessee. So I said, all right, I'll go check out why everybody's so passionate about college football. And I happened to be wearing a red shirt. And the the Vols were playing against Arkansas. And I had a (laughs) beer thrown on me before I was even in the door. That was my introduction. And so, you know, for the longest time, people, every time I'm on, people try and figure out who I've got a leaning for or against. And the fact is, I don't care. I just want passionate fan bases to be passionate. So I root for chaos and that really irritates people because it's far easier to be convinced that we have conspiracy theories or bias than it is to be convinced that maybe it's just our opinion that your
0: team's not as good. And, that, and you know, and I get it. And look, I, I think that you know, last year when Ohio State lost to Clemson in, in the in the college football playoff, uh, there was the, the crazy penalty, the you know, the reversal, of the call. So Buckeye fans were able to hold on to that and say, hey, if it wasn't for that, we would have won. You know, but last night it was uh, you know, I say all losses suck, but they all feel different. And last night felt different. Last night was an overwhelming loss. At no point did you feel Ohio State was better. Maybe in years past, for a couple of Ohio State losses, you knew it was just an off night. What was your thoughts watching that game last night? Again, Alabama was the favorite. Rightfully so, but were you expecting a blowout in what we saw?
1: Well, I got I got some ridicule from my peers on the digital pregame show we did at the very end. We made our picks. I said Alabama by 20, and everybody thought that I was uh, out of my mind. I I expected it, guys, and and part of it is just the juggernaut of who Alabama is this year. I mean, Alabama is much like LSU was last year. They're so explosive offensively. And this was an Ohio State team that was limited. I mean, we all saw the 13 players that were going to be missing for the game. We all know the impact that that makes, and it's not 100% Justin Fields. If all of those things weren't the case with the game and played out differently, I think it might have been closer. But still, at the end of the day, I mean, what you saw yesterday was that this Alabama team right now has so much rhythm and so many weapons, there's not an easy way to stop it. And, guys, I'll also tell you, I you know, I was doing the Megacast last night. We were doing the mega cast. Mike Oleg Jr. and I were – And I got a couple of texts from college football coaches that I know well that I respect. And what they kept saying is there's so many plays, there's so much motion pre-snap for Alabama that everybody's head was on a swivel. And I talked to Mike about it during the game because he knows what it's like to get your butt kicked by Alabama in a national (laughs) championship game. And, you know, and Junior even said, he's like, there are times where no matter how much film study you've done, no matter how much practice you've done, you are now forced to play your position without the advantage of having ever seen what's coming at you. And how do you manage that moment? And most teams can't manage it particularly well. We all feel like Ohio State held some things back for the playoffs to make sure that they could come out and kick some butt. But I think Ohio State, uh, I think Alabama held a lot back themselves, and they showed it with some of that pre-snap motion. It just it had everybody confused. Nobody could figure out where to go.
0: Jason, the one take I had on this was that like we we've seen Ohio State's defense struggle at points throughout the season. You know, Indiana put a lot of pressure on them. Uh, the Big Ten championship game, obviously, you know they've been pressured a lot throughout the. I mean, even Clemson, who they were able to overcome. You know, you still had Trevor Lawrence throw for 400 yards against this defense. So when I was, you know, mentally prepping for this game, I'm like, I expect, I was never at any point expecting Ohio State to stop them. I was more so surprised, uh, Jason, based on the fact that Ohio State only put up 24 points. Cause when we started dissecting the matchups, you know, quarterback versus quarterback, receivers versus receivers. We knew Alabama had slight advantages at multiple positions, especially wide receiver, but I didn't perceive this offense being that much better than Ohio State's. Clearly I was wrong, and a lot of Buckeye fans were wrong. Were you surprised at all by how little the contribution was offensively from Ohio State?
1: Yeah, I mean, I thought you were going to have to lay 40 on Alabama to have a shot in this game. And early on, you know, w- there was a, a very clear moment where you could see that Justin Fields wasn't himself because the, the few early passes he made didn't look particularly easy, but they also weren't taking a lot of shots. I mean, Olave was not a part of this game plan, right? And losing Trey Sermon was absolutely a knockout punch early also. So, uh, But at the same time, I, I mean, Mike and I, at the end of the first quarter, one of the stories we were telling was, hey, Master Teague is stepping up, and maybe there's some opportunity, and it just... He got away from them, and that's the thing that's the hardest when you're taking on a team like Alabama. At some point, what you got to do is you got to stay within yourself and not try and match them point-to-point, drive-to-drive. It puts too much pressure on everybody, knowing that if they never punt, you're just not going to win the game. And that's, There was no rhythm, and, and the most surprising part to me, and I'll steal this stat from Mike because he's smarter than I am, uh, coming into the game, Alabama's defense, when facing tight ends, they ranked 104th in the nation covering tight ends. I was that we knew that going into the game and that Ohio State didn't find a way to exploit it. On the one drive early, they got the big play to the tight end. I thought that was going to be part of their game plan, and it just it wasn't. And, and as, as much praise as I've heaped on Ryan Day and, and the way that he's run that Ohio State program, Alabama outcoached him last night. Not, that was surprising to me.
2: You know, we looked at Ole Miss putting up 48 on the Alabama defense. We looked at Florida putting up 46. We all here in Buckeye Country said, well, this isn't the Alabama defense of old. And then in the National Championship game last night, they limited us to 24 points. What different things did Alabama's defense do to basically shut us down?
1: Well, you know, hey, you're not wrong. This isn't the Alabama defense of old. And they had a couple of really regrettable moments throughout the course of the season. And I think, guys – it's time to start admitting that the SEC isn't that much better defensively than the Big 12. I don't know why we spent a generation just absolutely poo pooing all over the Big 12 every single week. And now we're like, oh no, this is still good defense. They just give up 40 points. Like, I don't know how we make that argument, but uh, realistically, I think last night, the most surprising thing was that they were able to shut down everything that was deeper than 15 yards. I mean, there was just never a threat. And uh, their ability to had a particularly good game. They covered better. I mean, they struggled in the Florida game to cover the weapons. They did not struggle in this game to cover the weapons. And I think that, that again, uh, that's where I think the game's a little different if you've got a Justin Fields that's 100% of himself because what you're really going to do is you're going to test that coverage if Fields can run around a little bit. But uh, it just it wasn't a viable threat there. And it's unfortunate for him, and it's unfortunate once they also, you know, they suffered a huge injury on the offensive line. In the first half, I, I, I'm i sitting next to Junior, and I'm thinking he's going to cry at that point, like seeing a big guy go down, uh, but not just a big guy. Big guy, you know, you're talking about the Big Ten offensive Lineman of the year. Wyatt so Davis. you know now, Right. Now, so all of a sudden, what you have with the Big Ten offensive linemen of the year going down is you've got a quarterback that's exposed to injury right now that's going to be more exposed. So, you know, I, all of that played a part of it. Plus, Alabama rotated their depth better on the defensive line. So. They were able to keep fresh bodies in front of that offensive line all game long. So you got you got to extend plays against Alabama. You got to make them run around, and Ohio State just wasn't wasn't capable of doing that.
2: You know, it's college football is very territorial. You know, Big Ten country, ACC country, SEC country. Why do you think it is that SEC country thinks that they get a national championship because Alabama got a national championship? Like Vanderbilt doesn't get a ring.
1: That is the dumbest thing. Like, I have never understood. Like, everybody knows. Y'all know. Like, everybody knows I'm a Raiders fan. My, my Like, if, if I'm going to watch the Broncos and the Chiefs play in a Super Bowl, I don't want them to win it so I can say I had the best division. I want them to get curb stomped so that all of my friends that are Chiefs and, and Broncos fans feel the pain that I felt when the Raiders lost the Super Bowl. Like, I don't understand this whole... I'm a Tennessee, and let me tell you, if we're going to throw SEC fans under the bus, nice. let's also acknowledge: like I lived in I lived in Nashville for 20 years. The weirdest thing to me is that Nashville is the backyard of Vanderbilt. Nobody likes Vanderbilt; they all like Tennessee because Vanderbilt was irrelevant for generations. But they all like Kentucky basketball because Kentucky basketball was good. So, like you're telling me, you're a Tennessee football fan, but a Kentucky basketball fan. <laughs> it is a weird mindset down here, y'all. I don't I don't understand it at all when it comes to the fans and the way they celebrate their conference is better like my conference is better than your conference It's the grown-up equivalent of my dad can beat up your dad it's a pointless argument
0: you know and it's funny because we you know Ohio State fans have gone into hiding today on the show we've gotten a lot of Alabama fans calling in and one Bama fan called in and said well you know, the, the Ohio State lost last night. You know, we, we think that Ohio State's good, but they're really not because they haven't faced any any team like uh, Alabama before. And I said, well, listen, hold up, timeout. Based on that logic, then Ohio State would never beat Alabama, and they beat Alabama the last time. And on that, you know, so th- the, the stuff that they literally convinced themselves of drives me up the wall because it's okay to say, hey, our team's better than yours this season. But this whole mentality of our team's better than yours because of the conference we play in, that drives me up the wall. Yeah, well, especially, again, I mean, uh, we're suddenly forgiving the fact that the majority of
1: the, the SEC plays absolutely no defense at this point. Mm-hmm. And then we had just anemic. Uh, you look back at this year in the SEC. What did you have? You had failures defensively from Florida consistently. So mm-hmm. their offense had to put up as many points as they put up. You had an offense on the other side of it in Georgia that took forever to get going because bad coaching, bad decisions early on in the season. Georgia really lost an opportunity to show out because I don't think they got things right early enough in the year. And then you've got a Texas A&M team that everybody's just trying to pry into the playoffs somehow, even though they got their butt kicked by Alabama. So, like, I I love the fact that Ohio State getting their butt kicked by Alabama is some statement on the Big Ten. But Texas A&M getting their butt kicked by Alabama is not a statement to the SEC. It's a very (laughs) strange argument to me. Like, that's why, again, like, the freedom I feel here is that I don't root for or against any conference. So I'm just sitting back. Uh, it's like being at your, you know, your friends' family reunion, and you're watching everybody fight with everybody, and I'm just sitting back there, like, uh, uh, occasionally stirring the pot, eating some popcorn, and watching everybody go at each other.
2: You know we're on a roller coaster where Justin Fields. After the Northwestern game, his draft stock plummeted. Then he has a great game versus Clemson. Up, uh, he's back to the number two pick in the draft. And after last night, he's falling back to number three. Why is it a roller coaster ride? All of a sudden, why come? How come it isn't looked at on his all his overall college career as opposed to seeming like we're going game to game now? You know, there's there's
1: two answers to this, and neither of them are, are nice. And I'm going to be honest, I just think what happens is a lot of NFL people that start talking about the draft, and I'm not talking about necessarily our draft gurus or experts, but a lot of people that are talking about the draft and making up mock drafts just are not college football heads. And, you know, it's one of the things I talk to Peter Burns all the time, and I know Burns can be very polarizing because of his F.E.C. fangirl approach. Like, I get it. Uh, You know, But and I would say that to him if he were here, but, you know, the thing that he always points out is it's amazing how often teams get it wrong and analysts get it wrong because they just don't watch enough college football. And so what happens is everybody falls in love with a name at some point in the season, and then they start watching it. So for a lot of people that are trying to figure out where Justin Fields falls versus Zach Wilson, it's because they didn't watch much of either of those quarterbacks play. So, you know, realistically, when you get into the draft situation for Justin Fields, we've seen that he can be a spectacular quarterback. We've also seen that he probably has some growing to do, which I don't think – is an unfair thing to say for a quarterback that you may pick in the top five. I mean, Justin Fields has every opportunity to be a top-notch quarterback in the NFL. And it's part of why I told Jets fans when they were freaking out about not getting the first overall pick, do a Google search right now and just just Google the top quarterbacks in the NFL this season. And I, I don't really care about the minutia of the list, but as you start to go down everybody's list, you'll find that the only top overall pick on anybody's list that's in the top half of that is Kyler Murray. The rest of them were not top overall picks. So uh, I I think Justin Fields is going to go to a good situation if he can get himself out of a situation where he doesn't have to go to Jacksonville or the Jets, and he'll be, all of a sudden, we'll look at it and say, why didn't everybody see this? And without remembering that he went to a better team, had the opportunity to maybe sit back a little bit, figure out who he's going to be as a pro, and didn't have the same level of pressure on him because he wasn't the number two overall pick sitting in New York. To me, it's not complicated. I believe in body of work, and that's why anybody that says, well, Sam Darnold, we're not sure who he is. Yes, we are. Go back and watch Sam Darnold at USC. Watch Sam Darnold now with the Jets, and you have a really good indication. He's basically a glorified version of what he was in college. So if a team gets a glorified version of Justin Fields and the pros, they're going to get a hell of a tough quarterback that makes really good, really accurate deep throws They can make electric plays and then still sometimes takes too long to make his reads. Like, these are all the things we've all seen, right? So, you know, I, I think that there's a real opportunity for a team to get a star quarterback with Justin Fields, and I don't think it's that complicated.
0: All right, ESPN Radio's Jason Fitz. Good enough to hang out with us here on a Tuesday. Uh, of course, reaction to last night's national championship game, Alabama rolls over Ohio State, and that's all she wrote for the 2020 college football season. How about that? But Jason, we'll send you out with this. You know, you're talking about all these great star quarterbacks, so let's talk about the greatest quarterback of all time, Baker Mayfield, um, <laughs> leads the Cleveland Browns to the playoffs for the first time in 18 years, and then wins in his playoff debut against the Pittsburgh Steelers. How about that? I projected them to win 12 games this year. Well, they're at twelve. Will they get thirteen? They're a ten-point underdog. It's going to be a tough one for them on Sunday.
1: Uh, well, I mean, nobody hands off better than Baker does, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Jason! <laughs> Damn it! Yeah, Finzy, <laughs> get him! I mean, hey, look, you know, you know, I, 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 picked them coming into the season. I picked them to make the playoffs. So I haven't been anti-Browns, but you're right. It's midway through the season, I didn't think they'd be able to put it together. They have Baker's done really well, and and I got to give a lot of credit to that coaching staff. You know, it's something that I've talked a lot, you know, to people in Cincinnati about, for example, is that sometimes you can get so enamored with the fact that you've got Joe Burrow that you forget that you have other people on your offense that you have to get involved in the game. That's something that Stefanski has really brilliantly done. I think it's a huge credit that they were able to go in and beat the Steelers. They're in a situation now where all Baker has to do is be pretty good and they're going to be able to win a lot of games for a long time. So I feel, if I'm a Browns fan, do I think the Browns have a shot against the Chiefs? No. Uh, But realistically, I don't think anybody has a shot against the Chiefs. So uh, if I'm the Browns, I'm looking at it saying, "Hey, uh, Pittsburgh is a a dumpster fire at this point. They have no idea what their quarterback situation is going to be. Cincinnati is still Cincinnati, and and Baltimore is going to be good for a while. So you're looking at, hey, uh, we're going to take on the Ravens year in and year out for the next five years. Like that's a better that's a better sort of approach than we've seen for a long time for the Browns.
0: All right, you know what? That's it. I've had it, Jason. I love your takes on everything except the Browns. You're doing a fantastic job till now, and you're going to feel really silly uh, when you come on next week and we're talking Uh-oh. about the Browns and the AFC title game. I'm just throwing that out there. I just want to be clear that you know, you're going to feel pretty silly next week. If the Browns make the AFC title game, when the NFL draft is in Cleveland, I will meet you there, and I will
1: take you anywhere you want for dinner. It is on me. We Fair will enough. sit back, and we will, we will have all of the steaks that you can possibly eat in one meal. All right. And I'm cheap, so I don't say that without some <laughs> level
0: of confidence. A deal, and I want to up it, too. Spain and Fitz, 7 to 9. I want you to give our show a shout-out on that show next week when the Browns win that we are the greatest local show of all time. That's what I that, want. That, that and is, that steak dinner. That is that, done. All right.
1: I, I, that, that, I will do that on Monday next week. If you all win, you will get all of the credit.
0: All right. Sounds like the wow. plan. Hey, Jason, thank you so much, man. Take care, and double talk next week.
1: Happy New Year, guys. Thanks so much for having
2: me. Later. Steak and a shout out. Uh, now, funny. normally, I wouldn't be rooting for the Browns, but a shout out on the national show, steak dinner in my hometown, go Browns!
0: Yeah, of course, <laughs> go Browns! We just talked about how the smart fans are loyal fans to their division and conference.
2: Oh goodness! Oh goodness!
0: So hold up, I didn't hear all that. So what? What did he he said? What all do we get? If we get win?
2: at The Browns win state dinner in Cleveland for, during the NFL draft and a uh, shout out on Spain and Fitz.
0: Perfect. Spain and Fitz, by the way, weeknights, 7 to 9 p.m. right here on 1410 ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio across the board. Um,